Hello and welcome to Regen, the e-racing podcast. I'm your host, Dino, and I'm here once again with Chris Soulsby from Motorsport Monday. How are you doing, Chris? I'm good, thank you. Great to be back on the show. Uh, I think this might be my fourth time now, so, uh, you know, great to be back on. Yeah, thank you once again for coming on. Um, before we get into it, uh, I'd also like to say thank you to Tom from ePreTalk for an awesome chat a couple of days ago. Uh, to look at the first half of the Formula E fifth season, and you can listen to that now on the feed. So thank you, Tom. It was an awesome chat, really long chat. Yeah, we got through a lot, so thank you very much. Also, before we do Media of the Week, I'd just like to let everyone know that Nath is stepping down from the show. Uh, He would um, rather do that um, than doing it sort of half-heartedly. So thank you, Nath. It's been awesome to get Regen up and running. And it's been really, really cool to be able to do that with you. So uh, with that, Chris is now my new permanent co-host. I am. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. I can't wait to uh, delve into the uh, the broadcast world, uh, to speak. And um, yeah, can't wait. Very excited. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where we can take Regen. Yeah, it'll be great. Constant. It'll be like Formula E's development, I'm sure. It'll be a... Uh, Coming to a city near you. <laughs> well, well, hopefully, um, hopefully Adelaide's back on the table. But um, yeah, I've heard some some yeah. news about that, but uh, nothing nothing official as yet. So yeah, if that was to happen, hopefully I could get to one. But unfortunately, nothing in writing as yet. So we'll move on to media of the week. Chris, what have you got for media of the week? So for the, uh, the past week, well, a few weeks, I've been watching this uh, this comedy called Friday Night Dinner. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. No. Um, but it was released in 2011, I think, and it's got five series now, so it's quite you know quite quite established. It's got uh, Tamsin Gregan, um, a guy called Paul Ritter. I think he was in a James Bond film. Uh, Simon Bird, who was in the Inbetweeners for UK listeners. Um, no relation of Sam Bird though. Oh, that's a shame. And then, yeah, a shame. And then Mark Heap. But it basically depicts uh, a traditional Shabbat um, Jewish dinner that takes place every Friday, and it's just this very eccentric family that, and it so much goes wrong for them. So you know, they got two brothers completely pranking each other and ripping each other to pieces. You had awkward situations, and then very strange next-door neighbour who's very lonely, very friendless, who's afraid of his own pet dog, regularly interrupting them. That sounds hilarious. And it's it's fantastic, but it's available on all four, Netflix, YouTube, and Skygo, if anyone would like to watch. But uh, I would absolutely 110% recommend this show. It's, it's so funny. So, so funny. So good. Yeah. What What about you? What's your media of the week? That sounds really cool. My media of the week is a little bit, well, it's a game. So it's called Polytopia. Um, very polygon. If you remember Advanced Wars on the Game Boy Advance, it's very much like that. Really, really cool. It's, uh, yeah, so it's mobile, uh, iOS and Android, but it is coming to Steam very shortly. So check that one out. Okay. It's a... um. A lot of different, um, I guess, races, as you were, a lot of different units, and every race has a different art style, so it's it's really cool. 
Really, really cool. Fully recommend it. That sounds quite interesting. Yeah, I'll have a look at that. Yeah. Now, into the news. And this one you told me about just before we got recording. Formula E Voltage has been axed. It has. Um, so for new for season five, uh, Formula E launched its own, well, another show called Formula E Voltage. And uh, Form- Formula E Voltage was a YouTube show and it had um, Becky Evans. Um, I don't know if anyone follows Becky's work, but I, think, I believe she's known as Queen Bee uh, online. And she, she's a very good presenter. She does a lot of motorsport stuff. And uh, she was uh, aided by uh, Lawrence McKenna. Um, they um, had usually two guest YouTubers. And they were joined by Scott Mitchell from Autosport, who was providing like technical expert insight. And it was designed for um, fans, particularly on the YouTube platform. And the aim was to get YouTube influence onto the sh- influencers onto the show in order to access a new audience. And um, they filmed six episodes, I believe, and they didn't renew it for the second half of this season. But it was struggling. Uh, it did get a lot of complaints from the first episode, but I think they were improving, which is, it's quite sad to see it go, because I think it was constantly getting better, which might be controversial to say, um, but... Yeah, I couldn't couldn't tell. I only watched the first couple, and then I, yeah, I thought, well, I... It's not for us, you know. It's it's for for, for fans that are new um, to, to, Mm -hmm. you know, get an idea of of what it is, and, and for people that haven't seen it before, so... Yeah, exactly. That was the purpose of the show. I don't think it quite worked, unfortunately, but that that won't be returning. Uh, so my heart isn't broken over that, really. No, but I mean, if it converted a couple of fans, then that's great news. So yeah, precisely, precisely. They, they tried it; it didn't work. Move on. Yeah. So that, that's all you can do. It's good that Formula E's trying new things. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's great. Yeah, precisely. Unfortunate, but um, I'm sure there'll be something to replace it. Yeah, exactly. Now, this piece of news, we saw Alex Lynn had replaced Nelson Piquet Jr. Obviously the change we'd all been waiting for, and one that we thought was coming for a long time on the show, Chris. Yeah, so when this bit of news came out, I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie, I was quite happy. Um, I think the last time I was on, I described Piquet's uh, race in Sanya as a sink or swim make or break opportunity and um well ended in the wall yeah yeah it, it it was a break opportunity he crashed the crashed the car and i think this is a, a completely justified change controversial um to essentially sack formula e's inaugural champion but completely justified um you know evans had completely outshone pk over the first half of this season and last year and ultimately I, I think PK was in a irrecoverable situation at at Sanya, and I think regardless, he probably would have been leaving anyway. But um, yeah, Lynn's in the car. He drove for DS Virgin Racing um, in season four full time. Did two rounds in season three, um, but was replaced for Robin Frines. But um, yeah, an exciting prospect. I feel. Yeah, Tom and I talked about this one, and I think. You know, Nelson Piquet, probably quite an expensive driver. I'm sure Alex Lynn would be quite a bit cheaper than uh, Nelson to yeah. put in the car as well. So that was 
that was one of the things that um, Tom came up came up with. Yeah, yeah, I would completely, I would completely agree with you because I, I don't know anything about Jaguars, um, the salaries of Jaguars drivers, but I would imagine that PK would have been on so much more than Evans. And when you're not getting your value for money, um, things really need to be addressed and changed. Mm. But um, well, let's hope that I changes. think Alex Lynn could. Alex Lynn could thrive in this car in my eyes. I don't think the Generation 1 car that really suited his driving ability. I think with his Gen 2 car, we'll really see Alex come out of his shell. And pro- I think he'll be quite impressive this for the second half of this season. I hope so. But uh, yeah, from a British point of view, this is a British driver at a British team. And uh, he also drives for Aston Martin Racing. So I don't think you can get anything more uh, British than that. So very exciting. Well, the fit, uh, the fit will be, yeah, I guess discovered over the next few races. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see what he can do. Now, Moto E has a revised 2019 calendar uh, for the season, which will begin at the Session Ring in July. Hopefully, that's uh, that's at least halfway to what it's actually called. So, uh, race one is July 5th to the 7th at the Session Ring in Germany. Uh, race two, August 9th to the 11th at the Red Bull Ring in Spielberg, Austria. Races three and four, September 13th to 15th at Misano World Circuit. Marco Simoncelli, San Marino and Riviera de Rimini. And races five and six, November 15th to 17th at the Circuit Ricardo Tormo. And that is in Valencia. Yeah, so um, it's nice to see that Modo E has uh, been able to recover. So um, there was a Modo E, the Modo E Championship uh, in a preseason test, had a fire in their paddock uh, at Jerez and destroyed all of their bikes. Yeah. Um, <sighs> they don't know the cause of that fire, but there weren't any bikes on charge at the time of the fire. But obviously that's a huge setback for a new championship. And it's it's nice to see that it will go ahead. I know um, Alejandro Agag offered some kind of relief slash support um, as chairman of Formula E. But it, it's nice to see it, you know, go ahead and sort, sort that out. It's obviously been delayed, but, you know, it's good news. Very good news. Yeah, so the Jerez and uh, Le Mans uh, Moto E rounds, which were scheduled for May, have obviously been cancelled. So a very short season, if you can call it that. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. It would also be cool if you out there are an expert on MotoGP or World Superbikes uh, and are interested in talking about Moto E to come on the show. Because I've got no idea about anything on two wheels. Me too, I'm clueless. <laughs> so yeah, invitation is open. And the teams, would you like to run down the teams, uh, Chris? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. This is the first time I've spoken about MotoGP or motorbikes. Oh no, there's some pronunciations on here. So we've got Adrian Motorsport Moto E with uh, the driver uh, Nick Tooley. Um, Avinta Espanorama Racing, which is Eric Granado. Um, Dynavolt Intact GP, fantastic name, with uh, Jesco Raffin. 
EG00 Mark VDS with uh, Mike Demeglio, or Meglio, LCR E Team with Randy De Pune and Nicolo Canepa. Uh, one Energy Racing with Bradley Smith. Oh, that's a, that's nice a, that's a tough name, that one. That, that's a much easier name. Pons Racing uh, with Sete Gibbonau. Uh Pramac Racing with a- uh, Alex DeAngelis and Josh Hook. Um, Sama Qatar Angel Angel uh, Nito Team with Maria Herrera, Herrera and Nicholas Tyrol. Tech 3 E Racing with Hector Garzo and Kenny Ferrey. And Trentino Grishini Moto E with Matteo Ferrari and Lorenzo Salvadori. I've got to so, say, Hector Garzo, that's a great name. Ah, fantastic. Brilliant. I'll be... Ah, fancy. I-, I like Bradley Smith. Yeah, well, you know? I think Bradley Smith's Australian, so, um, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Or is he English? I think he's Australian. Anyway. I have no idea this. Very cool. All right, Hector Garzo, just because you've got a sweet name. There we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go for Brad Bradley. Nice, nice. Yeah. Now, China has launched its own all-electric SUV racing series. This is an interesting piece of news. So, an all-electric racing uh, series in China. Now, the promoter is called Formula Racing Development Co., which doesn't really. Yeah, it doesn't seem very catchy, but uh, F- yeah. FRD, uh, and it's the China Electric Touring Car Challenge, CETC, and the racer is based on the Neo ES8 SUV, which is a seven-seater sort of mid-sized SUV, and that's only available in China at the moment, and that's the same Neo that's got the Formula E team. In a little over a month, the series will hold its first round at the Tianjin V1 circuit in Beijing, and that is the newest permanent racing facility in China. Very, very cool. Yeah, so, um, yeah, very cool. It's nice to see electric racing spread. Uh, obviously, the Neo, the Neo ES8, um, very cool car. I think Neo had them driving around in Sanya, if I'm not mistaken. But it's a, an all-wheel drive car, uh, which I believe it means that has four, well, like a quadruple MGU, potentially. Um, yeah, one, one to each wheel. And very, very cool. Very cool time championship. So the first race is in uh, Tianjin region of Beijing. Um, I think that's held along the World Intelligence Conference. But I think the championships had a bit of a delay. So. I've got written in my notes that it was supposed to run from October 2018 to May 2019. Oh. So. Because this is the first thing yeah. I've heard about it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I remember reading something in early 2018 about this, but I've never written about it. Okay. But after doing some research, I believe I might be completely wrong, but I believe it was supposed to start in October. But, you know, every championship has some. Trouble getting off the ground. It's interesting though, actually, because if it had started in October, it would have become the first fully electric production car series. It's unfortunate, isn't it, that uh, the Jaguar IPC trophy is, uh, yeah, pipped it, obviously. Yeah, pipped it by a few months, but there we go. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to this one, and yeah, I think 
I'd I'd be keen on covering it for sure. So yeah, let us know if you want to hear about this one. The Jaguar I Pace E Trophy, a good, very very sweet transition. Now this one didn't seem a very interesting race to me. Uh, I, I mean, it, yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> there was a couple of parts of the track where two SUVs shouldn't be <laughs> racing side by side, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we saw a slippery part of the track, Ben Karnan and one of the China racing drivers run off. But apart from that. Yeah, it was a bit of a, a dull race, really. Um, Sergio Jimenez got pole and won. Lights the flag. Uh, he, yeah, he led lights the flag. Brian Sellers qualified in second, finished in second. Simon Evans qualified in third, finished in third. Catherine Legg fourth after starting in fourth. And Stefan Dredzinski in fifth after starting in fifth. Yep. But a um, very profession, uh, processional race. Um, I think it was very flat out. The Rome circuit's quite long. And I don't know if that just meant that overtaking was quite difficult, but it was very dull race. Uh, we had a bit of rain at the... It was like 11 minutes to go, and that caused um, Ahmed bin Khan and, and Tao Wang, I think it was, to go straight on at turn 13. And bin Khan was actually leading uh, the Pro-Am class. <laughs> It was also ahead of Kaka Bueno. So as soon as he went off, he ruined his own race. I think he was the final classified finisher, which handed Bandar Alasai a fourth victory in Pro-Am. Oh, that's a great name. So yeah. I think it's fantastic. But oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a very um, average race from the IPC Trophy in Rome. But we'll see it back in Paris, and I'm, I hope the uh, exciting racing that we have seen so far this season will continue. But I think Jimenez now leads the championship over Sellers uh, by five points. So it's it's very close. You know, everything is still to play for. It's a very close championship, and you know, still as unpredictable as Formula E. Five different winners in five races now. Yeah. Okay, another another easy transition into the Rome E-Prix. Yeah, another good race. Oh, fantastic. Continually uh, to be a brilliant racing show, really. Another very close qualifying. Uh, we had Andre Lotterer top the qualifying, Mitch Evans in second, Jose Maria Lopez in third, which was huge. A dragon up in third. Uh, Stoffel Van Dorn in HWA in 4th, Maxi Gunther in 5th, Boemi 6th, Mortara in 7th. Now that's a pretty good a good run from Mortara considering he's in Group 1. Yes, actually. Um, and Robin Frains in 8th, Verline 9th and Massa in 10th. So two Venturi cars in the top 10, uh, both Dragons, one Mahindra, one Nissan, one HWA. And a Jaguar and a Tachita. And Super Bowl is an exact copy of the top six. Yeah, so um, qualifying was um, good. We saw Lotterer claim his maiden Formula E pull for Diaz Tachita. A nice uh, three bonus points. But um, I thought qualifying was fantastic to watch because in between the group qualifying stages and Super Bowl, we saw a very quick downpour on the um, Rome circuit. 
and it meant the the first half of the track was very very dry then the second half was quite wet so um we hadn't really seen much uh we'd, i don't think we had any wet running for formula e at that point and uh, we had sebastian buemi out in super Bowl as the first driver as the sixth uh, fastest in group qualifying stages and in his warm-up lap, he was warming his tyres, preparing up for his flyer, and just went straight on at turn 13 because it was so wet. And um, it really caught him out. But then it became a game of, a story of track evolution, really. Uh, we saw um, Max Gunther, who was uh, the second runner in Super Bowl, beat Buemi's time. Then Van Dorn put in this absolute flyer and eclipsed uh, Gunther's time by two seconds. Very impressive. And then the track just continued to improve. Then Lopez took the fastest time. Then Evans beat him. Then Lotmer was fastest in sector one. Made a mistake at turn 13. He slid his car. And that led the Jaguar celebrating early. Thinking, we've got pole position. This is fantastic. And then Lotmer got pole position. And completely silenced them. (laughs) Celebrating too soon. But yeah, very good qualifying session. Very, very cool. And yeah, good to see Andre continuing to be strong, uh, especially after uh, his his disappointment. Yeah, he's had a strong run of form. He uh, missed out on his potential maiden victory in Hong Kong because of contact with Sam Bird. But um, yeah, a strong result from Lodera, and I think he's really showing his class this season. So yeah, exciting times. In the race now, Dragon Cars showing speed but couldn't capitalise on the pace in the race. Lopez and Gunther were ragged. They were everywhere. Now, Lotterer led the pack out and uh, Evans in behind. Gunther lost a wing and lost some other bits and pieces. Um, Lopez, uh, he went straight into a wall and and caused a massive pile-up, which was a 45-minute red flag. (sighs) It's it's frustrating to see them doing so well and then not capitalising. Yeah. Um, what a mess. It was a very messy race for Dragon. So after qualifying in third and fifth, neither Lopez or Gunther were able to um, deliver the team with any points. And it was probably the team's best opportunity this season. I don't know if anyone read, but I did a a mid-season report for the Formula E. And um, summarising Dragon's season, I said that um, Adiria was their only missed opportunity, uh, quite simply because it was their only opportunity. And Rome marked a a new chance for Dragon, and they didn't capitalise at all on the pace that they had in qualifying. We had Gunther have a spin. Lopez was handed a drive-through penalty for hitting in the bird. He then caused the red flag at the on the second lap, I believe. Um, he crashed in turn, turn 17, collected Gary Paffert, and then he was hit by Vern, so an almighty pile-up there. Then after Gunther's spin on lap one, uh, where he picked up his wing damage, uh, we saw him speed into full-course yellow, which got him a penalty. Then he failed to use his second use of attack mode, which gave him another penalty. I believe it was 16th and 19th for Dragon after starting in 3rd and 5th. And, um... What yeah, a there's, race. There's no words. Yeah. That's, that's it's, um... 
the, the team really need points on the board. They've got two, uh, two if I'm correct, on the board, and they really need some points. And it was such a good opportunity for them. And the thing is, their their um, title partner and sponsor is Geox, and Geox were sponsoring the Romy Prix as well. I mean, it looked good up until the race. I mean, you know, it Lopez did. in third. Gunther, he hasn't been in the car of late, and then comes back. Oh, gets in Super Bowl, gets fifth. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, it was an exceptional drive from Gunther, in all honesty. I thought he was quite impressive, you know. Bearing in mind he's been out of the car for the past three races in favour for NASA. Um, yeah, a strong showing, but I think he was kind of driving for his career, almost. That's what I said on the on the um, program, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think he was very impressive. I would, if I was Jay Penske at Dragon, I would uh, consider putting Gunther back in the car this season. I would too. Mm-hmm. I think he's doing a better job than NASA. Um, because we haven't, seen, we haven't seen much of NASA this season, but he hasn't really excited me. He hasn't put in any spectacular performances at all. He hasn't set the world on fire, but he hasn't had a chance really yet. So Yeah, exactly. We'll see, we'll, we'll see. We might um, see him come alive. Yeah, true. Wake up. Um, Mitch Evans' overtake on Andre Lotterer. Thoughts on that? Um, I thought this was completely fair. So um, Evans overtook Lotterer using attack mode. I think it was in turn 11, possibly. And um, Evans kind of... They did bump. They bumped um, the sides of their cars. But um, Evans and Lotra were issued with a warning, and that's part of like a new um, new policy from the FIA for Rome. So in the first half of the season, we saw a lot of contact. People were talking about Formula E as a bumper car championship, <laughs> uh, simply because there was so much contact, and there was no consistency in penalties. But the FIA have done a clampdown on that for Rome, and have said that. If there is unnecessary contact, the driver who caused it will be warned. And then if that happens again, there will probably be a penalty. But then for errors that ruin someone's race, so if you hit someone and they spin, or you put them out straight away, that would be an immediate penalty. So we kind of saw that with um, the Lopez Bird incident, with Lopez getting handed the penalty, while. the Evans lottery incident was the first one, so I think that's quite a good policy from the from the FIA there. But in my eyes, completely fair. Well, to be fair, there has been a lot of, I mean, rubbings racing, but there has been a bit where it's forcing people wide and and putting them in the wall, or yeah, you know, just <laughs> disregarding the, the bodywork and just going for a gap. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean. Jean-Éric Verne was getting absolutely furious just because he got spinned, he got, you know, hit, and it was just ruining his race in the first half of the season. So, um, yeah, really good initiative, really good. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, we saw Verne, sorry, um, he was punted off in all kinds of scenarios. I think it was in Mexico City where uh, Mitch Evans actually hit Verne and spun him around, and it completely destroyed Verne's race pace. But then Evans was never actually penalised for that. 
And I think that really raised into questions into question the, the whole consistency of it. But I'm glad that the FI are getting on, on top of that. Okay. Well, um, since we've just finished that, who was your driver of the day? Ooh. It's a hard call. Um, we had a strong showing from D'Ambrosio. Um, he started from towards the back of the field and um, but I'm going to give it to Mitch Evans. I think Evans did a fantastic job. The Jaguar hasn't been the fastest car this season. Um, and it's always struggled with qualifying pace. Uh, obviously, we had the mid season break, I think it was three weeks. So I don't know if Jaguar have been able to find something out or suss something or something's clicked. But we saw him put it on the front row of the grid, a very strong result. And then he went to wheel to wheel with one of motorsport's most decorated racing drivers in Andre Lodera, and he was able to come out in a fight with Lodera on top. And Lodera is such an aggressive driver. And what a drive from Evans. What, an, what a fantastic drive. You know, it's everything came together. It was fantastic. I can't disagree with that, and I thought D'Ambrosio as well. He just seems to keep picking up points. Yeah. He seems to be starting at the back a lot, which is not helping at all. And potentially that's because he's in Group 1, uh, especially if the track evolution is as much of a thing as, as Degrassi and Jev and, and they're all saying. But he seems to just somehow get get a few points chipping away. <laughs> he does. He's a consistent driver. And of course, Mitch Evans. We love Mitch Evans on this show, so it's obviously... Uh, it's about time <laughs> that that he got the got the victory. So um, yeah, we're very yeah. I'm a very proud Kiwi uh, this evening. Yeah, it was a long time coming. I mean, um, when I was doing the race, uh, I think I posted this on Twitter. If anyone follows me, so um, it's important for me to keep notes during the race and during practice sessions. And um, I woke up on Saturday morning to start covering the Formula E and found that my notepad was completely full. And uh, I was low-key panicking, like, I need a notepad, I haven't got time to run at the shops and buy one now. And the only notebook that I could find was actually a Jaguar racing notebook, um, which was um, a kind of a gift to the media at the team's uh, Season 5 car launch. And uh, so the first race that I've covered in this book is Jaguar's first ever win. So I think it's quite appropriate. So I just think it's, you know, I'm not saying that I'm responsible for the winning the race. I just think it's a very funny coincidence. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I did yeah. read that on uh, on Twitter. Yeah. But it was actually Jaguar's first race win as a team uh, since 1991, I want to say. Um, the first, or was it 92? 1991 and 1992, where they won the Nürburgring round in the World Sports Car Championship with Derek Warwick. And, no um, relation to me. <laughs> no relation, Dino. No. Uh, Derek Warwick and... My mind is drawn a blank. Yeah, insert name here. If you're really interested, you can Google it because... That's all right. They've, they've been waiting a long time then, so that's awesome. Interesting. All right, uh, one of the other talking points, just quickly, Nissan, 5th uh, and 6th. Now, we've we've 
uh, seen them have quite a few different breaking problems and bits and pieces, but they looked really good. Yeah, so um, Nissan finished fifth and sixth with Buemi and uh, Roland. It was David Brabham who drove the Jaguar. Um, sorry. And yeah, so they um, had fifth and sixth with Buemi and Oliver Rowland. Uh, Roland had a very difficult qualifying, which we haven't seen from him in a few races, uh, but he was able to recover, fought his way back through the field. And it was a, it was a nice little haul of points for Nissan. Um, I think it was 18 points that it came to. But um, it's nice to see Nissan begin to find some consistency. They're using, I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but they're using a different powertrain design to all of the teams. They're using like a, a twin motor generator unit as opposed to the single, um, which has seen a lot of eyebrows raised and questions get asked uh, by the Formula E teams. But I thought it was mm, good, good, very good result for Nissan. I was quite impressed. It's a shame to see that Buemi couldn't push forward because he did start from sixth as well. Uh, but. Um, he started from, he started from sixth and got fifth. Fifth, yeah. Yep. One mm. place, yeah. That was so, it. yeah, but, um, he looked like he had some pace, but obviously, uh, yeah, couldn't quite make it up. Uh, Roland started 10th, got sixth. So, yeah, good from him. Yeah. Um, Degrassi, 13th to 7th, and D'Ambrosio, 19th to 8th. Yeah, I've got to say that's, that's yeah. pretty good going. I mean, they're um, exciting drives, really. Very exciting drives to see drivers, you know, cut through the field. But I think that's what's good about the qualifying format. Because in, in Group 1, we saw a massive disadvantage for the top five in the championship. And I believe that Antonio Felix da Costa was the highest starter from Group 1. So he, quali- he started in 11th place, but he obviously gained places on the grid because Verline was penalised and so was Alex Lynn. But yeah, it's great to see drivers come fighting through the field. Mm, I think that's what's setting up the championship at the moment. If we had Group 1 starters qualifying at the front of the pack, we wouldn't see the nature of the championship of what it is now. And I think it's working so well. It's a perfect recipe. It's perfectly crafted by Formula E. It is, yeah. It's it's crafted for close points totals, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Stoffel Van Dorn getting on the podium. So we'll just run down, actually. Uh, Mitch Evans yep. wins. Andre Lotterer in second. Stoffel Van Dorn in third. Robin Freins in fourth. Boemi, Roland, Degrassi, D'Ambrosio, DaCosta, Verline for the last of the points finishes. And then on the bubble, Sam Bird. And also, shout out to Alex Lynn, finishing 12th after starting 21st. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a... It's quite a nice drive from Alex. Yeah, I'm not going to bother with the rest of them down there, but um, yeah, unfortunate for both Neocars as well. Now, the standings. This is uh, it's basically a, a top nine now. Jerome D'Ambrosio takes back the lead of the championship with 65 points. Antonio Felix da Costa on 64 Andre Lotterer, 62. Mitch Evans now joins the fray with 61. How is how is he doing that? It's crazy, isn't it? 
Degrassi, 58. Robin Frains, 55. Vern uh, moves to 54. Well, he didn't score, so unfortunately stays on 54 with Sam Bird. Stays on 54. Mortara, unfortunately, didn't score anything. And on 52, Apt on 44. And Verline on 37 after picking up a point. And Roland's up to 35. Um, Boemi's on 30. Van Dorn moves up to 18 points. And Sims is on 18 points as well. Uh, Massa 15. Turvey is on 6. Paffitt on 4. Lopez on 2. And PK, who's not going to be getting any more points anytime soon, on 1. And the rest of them have none. It's close, isn't it? It's close. It's close up the top. It's crazy close. That's 13 points uh, covering the top nine, if I can actually count. Um, yeah. Yeah, 13 points covering the top nine, which is, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. But we'll continue to see D'Ambrosio in, in, in the top five, in the top three, at leading, ultimately. That's simply because of his consistency. Um, you know. I mean, he's just got to pick up points, and that's what he's doing. Exactly. He got uh, got four points, eight. Uh, he didn't finish. He got taken out, unfortunately, uh, round five. But before that, twelve, and he just seems to be chipping away, which is which is what you need in this championship. The most important thing in this season, in particular, is consistency. So we've seen a lot of drivers drop a lot of points. So Mortara hasn't scored for the past two rounds. He had a transmission failure uh, in. Rome, and then Bird hasn't scored in the last two rounds. Uh, he was taken out by Van Dorn, obviously, and uh, Sanya, and then he's just failed to uh, get in the top ten in Rome. Vern again didn't score any points this round. He he won in Sanya, but nothing before that as well. Nothing for the two races before that. Yeah, nothing for the two races. Um. It, it's fa- it's fascinating to watch, isn't it? It is. Because if if a driver, um, such as if Bird had finished in the points in either of the last two rounds, he would most likely be leading the championship now. Or if Degrassi had, you know, d- delivered some points in Sanya. Yeah, very it, likely. He would be in the hunt. But more in the hunt, he is in the hunt, but... That's that's the nature of Formula E at the moment. It changes week by week. It's impossible to predict. I guess with the likes of uh, Vern and Bird now, they won't be in Group 1. So I'd say they'll be a lot more happier. That's true. That's true, actually, yeah. Yeah, we've seen the total change there, actually. So Group 1 would now be D'Ambrosio, DaCosta, Lodera, Evans and Degrassi. Then Group 2... Frines, Vern, Bird, Mortara, and Daniel Apt. That's that's interesting, actually. Yes, mm-hmm. I hadn't noticed that initially. Mm-hmm. Qualifying in Paris. Watch out for Vern on pole in the home race. I reckon. Here we go. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. He might be that man who establishes, you know, takes a hold of the championship. Well, yeah, very, very well could do. Now, team standings. Diaz to Cheetah, 116. Envision Virgin on 109. Mahindra, 102. 
also tied with Audi on 102. BMW seems to be fading away a little bit on 82. Venturi 67, Nissan 65, 62 for Jaguar, they're right up there now. 22 for HWA, 6 for Neo, and 2 for Geox Dragon. Okay, after that, who is going to win if it is different from our last predictions? The Valstapina European Cup. I don't know still. Um, I think I said Lucas Degrassi last time, didn't I? Um, yep, I think we both said it. I don't know. What if there isn't a winner? Well, there has to be. That's the thing. What if it's just one big draw? Um, I, I'm leaning towards Degrassi simply because he's very consistent. But Vern, potentially, I think Vern has a has a shout at this. Yeah, potentially. I mean, could Mitch Evans go on and win it? That's the thing, because it'll have given Jaguar a massive, massive confidence boost there now. Taken, you know, its first podium since 2017 Hong Kong. But then also its first win, I think it'll give the team a lot of confidence. And, you know, the, the, the most difficult win is always that first one. That is always the most difficult win. And now that they have that, they really could thrive. They really could thrive as a team. Yeah, I think, I think I'll stick with Degrassi, but, uh, yeah. I think I'll... It'll be interesting I'll to watch. I'll say Degrassi or Vern. Or Vern. But, oh, do you, have a, do you have a prediction for Paris? We, yeah. I was just going to say, okay. we'll move into the Paris predictions. And yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think Jean-Eric Verne, home race, he'll deliver. I think Verne can deliver, but I also want to see the trend continue of 8-8. It's a big ask, I know, but well. Come on, Robin, yeah. come on. 8-8-8-8, eight in, eight in yeah. eight. that's what I want to see. So I have the name of a certain Swiss bloke written on my uh, notepad, and that is Sebastian Buemi. A very bold pick, a bold pick, but... It's a tough ask. It's a tough ask, but I think potentially Buemi. I've also got Lotterer written down, so we'll see what happens there. But Vern, obviously, rightly so, very, he's very quick in Paris as well. He is. He does like that racetrack. Won last year. Yes, yep. That was, uh, from memory, a very dominant performance, actually. Not quite as much as Berlin, uh, Tempelhof with Daniel Apps, but still a very, yeah, mm-hmm. very, very good display. Yeah, it was. Very good. And I, th- I think that's when Vern was sort of hitting his stride towards the championship, actually. That's the thing. When Sean Eric mm. establishes his confidence and gets confidence in the car, he really is difficult to challenge. And uh, if he finds that form this season, <laughs> we're going to see a, an interesting fight for sure. Yeah, we will. Well, that uh, I think that does it for this episode. But um, yeah, I've had a had a very very fun time chatting with you, Chris. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. You too. Now we would love to talk to the community, so please send all questions and show feedback to hello at regenracingpodcast.com. And moving forward, you either get myself or Chris on the end of the email address. Uh, we can be found on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and regenracingpodcast.com. 
And if you would rate us uh, on the likes of Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, we would really appreciate it. We know uh, every podcast asks this, but it really does help. So if you could, then please do. That would be great. Uh, We are powered by Transistor.fm. They are a great podcast host. And uh, if you click the link in the show notes, uh, we would get a bit of a payback if you use this amazing service. And also Blue Bottle Coffee. Uh, great coffee, so we know you won't be disappointed with those two services. Intro music, Danelle Armour featuring Sarah De Warren Gallery, and it is used with permission from Danelle Armour. Check out his amazing music on all major platforms. Thank you for listening. We appreciate everyone taking the time to hear our opinions and views on the world of electric racing. See you later. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.